Christian life than going to church and reading your Bible. Ever wondered just how involved God is in your daily life? Then you've come to the right place. Join me, Pastor Tom Marsis and Vicar Dylan Meyer, as we take an in-depth look at applying the scriptures to our daily lives, the Ten Commandments, baptism, Lord's Prayer, and more. Welcome to the Living Faith. Welcome to Living Faith, episode 40, Hearing God's Mighty Deeds. My name is Pastor Tom Mars, a senior pastor of Zion Lutheran Church. And I'm Vicar Dylan Meyer. And we're glad that you're with us as we continue our year-long series of Living the Faith. Uh, we're beginning a four-week series. We're going to be looking on Christian stewardship, uh, and our theme is around the hymn, Let Children Hear the Mighty Deeds. Uh, it's a theme that we're using here at Zion throughout the month as we're talking about Christian stewardship. And we're focusing on the theme of Tell the Next Generation. Well, you're going to hear a lot about that over the next several weeks. It's really a great emphasis for us as we're talking about living the faith, because we're going to honor the past, how God has brought as many blessings in the past, and how he continues to promise those blessings on into the future and our role in our Christian life as we do that. And so uh, as we start this today, one of the things I want to do is I want to read the first uh, verse here of the hymn, Let Children Hear the Mighty Deeds. That's kind of going to be the theme or emphasis as we go through and talk about Christian stewardship today. And so it's hymn 867 in the Lutheran service book, and it goes this way. Let children hear the mighty deeds which God performed of old, which in our younger days we saw and which our parents told. And so as we do that, we want to keep that in the back of our minds as we start talking now about Christian stewardship and its witness, because really, as we live out our life of faith as Christian stewards, it's really a witness to the world around us because the emphasis and direction of what we do in life is so much different than the world around us. And so let's start with that simple question. What is stewardship? Yeah, I think it's helpful for us to... um... Uh, first explore what stewardship is, uh, scriptural stewardship, um, and we can find a lot of uh, stewardship being talked about throughout Paul's epistles, especially. Um, We understand from scripture that stewardship is uh, simply uh, using what God has given you to proclaim the gospel through um, acts of service. At least uh, that's um, a definition that can be drawn up that is most in line with like what Paul writes in First Corinthians four and Christian stewardship. Remember Christian stewardship because sure, in yeah. the world that we live in, there's a lot of good acts going on. It's a really an emphasis this day in education. Uh, I coach a local high school soccer team, and one of the things that they need to do every year is a service project. Uh, in other words. Uh, helping out the community in some mm-hmm. kind of way. So the the world also has stewardship in a sense of using gifts or whatever. But for us as Christians, it all revolves back to realizing all that we have, all that we are, is a gift from God. So our motivation in service is much different than what the world has. And uh, in doing that, we're also called stewards uh, by Paul. And he really means servant, right? Right. This idea that um, being a servant is, it it never is far away from being a steward in, in scripture. And um, 
as Pastor Marcus was just pointing out, you know, Christian stewardship really, I think, is, uh, um, you know, service that we can contribute uh, for God, especially, obviously, and it's uh, stewardship that we focus towards the ministry of the church. Um, and so, you know, this idea of being a steward, being a servant, um, they, um, they're really how we share God's grace with others. Um, and, you know, most people, when they hear the word stewardship, they, they kind of take a step back and they say, uh-oh, church is asking for money. Money is always, it seems like churches are always asking for money. You know, it's just another, another ploy. Um, but stewardship is not merely about money. It, the focus of stewardship um, is using God's gifts. Um, uh, Paul talks a lot about spiritual gifts, you know, uh, using using the things that God has given us to to uh, further glorify God's kingdom. And so, um, you know, in many cases, uh, obviously churches, it's very important to talk about money as well, um, because uh, many cases, you know, God has blessed certain people with, with uh, money, and those can be uh, your gifts, absolutely. Well, and the church has really fallen down on this when we talk about stewardship, because clearly the church uses the word stewardship often in connection with the word money, yeah. and obviously that's a part of it. But Christian stewardship is so much bigger and broader than money. Yeah. The gifts that we have, the abilities that we have, the time that we have, all of that is a part of stewardship. And sadly, too often— uh, and pastors are often the ones most guilty of this, bringing this out. It seems that all we're talking about is money. But clearly, as you turn to Paul, as you pointed out in 1 Corinthians, it's about using what God has given us in the proclamation of the gospel. And so there's the physical abilities that God blesses us with, and the emotional, uh, spiritual abilities that he gives us. And all of that is essential to our life as believers, we throughout this year, we've been focusing on uh, living the faith. And so for Christians, living the faith is a life of stewardship. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's not about merely putting money in the offering plate or mailing in a check or going online and, and doing it that way. It's really about how do we use what God has given us, maybe money, but it's a lot of other things, in the uh, sharing of that good news. And that really is getting back to our emphasis of tell the next generation. How do we tell the next generation of God's mighty deeds? And it's really interesting, if you were listening closely to the hymn verse that I read from our theme hymn, Let Children Hear the Mighty Deeds, it, it really closes with this, that which in our younger days we saw and which our parents told. Hmm. Now, I'm going to tell you a story from the scriptures, the one that some of you may be somewhat unacquainted with. Uh, let's go all the way back to the children of Israel in Egypt. Uh, Moses is leading them out, and obviously uh, Pharaoh changes his mind, so he starts chasing the children of Israel. They get caught at the Red Sea, and the story that almost everybody knows, Moses stretches out his arms, God parts the Red Sea, they walk across on dry land. When the chariot's coming behind them, God closes the Red Sea behind them and takes care of Pharaoh's army. Now, that's a story that almost everybody in the church and outside of the church knows. Uh, there's all these movies about the Ten Commandments and Moses and so forth, and everybody knows that story. Well, 
Let's fast forward 40 years. The children of Israel are wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. God has taken Moses to be with him in heaven. Joshua is now leading the children of Israel, and they're getting ready to enter into the promised land. But they need to cross another river, not the Red Sea this time, but they need to, to cross the Jordan River into the promised land that God has given them. And as they're getting ready to do that, Joshua instructs each one of the 12 tribes of Israel to take a large stone and to then, as they cross the Jordan River, which God will now separate in a little bit different manner, uh, you know, the Ark of the Covenant goes in the middle of the water and the water parts, but as they go across on dry land to the into the Promised Land, they take these 12 stones and then they build them into a monument. They, they take the 12 stones, tack them, stack them on top of each other. And then the reason that is given is this, so that when children ask their fathers, what mean these stones, you may tell them. And that's a part of telling the next generation. It's so easy for us to think that everybody's always going to remember the certain stories of families and events and so forth. And we live in a generation when we're very fortunate to have all kinds of pictures and video and so forth. But really, memories fade. And it's important for us to be reminded of who and what we are. And for us as Christians, it's even more so. And part of this then, as tell the next generation, is that the children may know who they are in Christ Jesus. And so the story from Joshua chapter four is very critical to the, the idea that children's asking their parents, what mean these stones? And it's really an invitation, uh, is it not, uh, to walk on the dry land of faith and to be covered by the waters of baptism. Uh, but it's a sign and a memorial, is it not, to the next generation. When we talk about this area of scripture from Joshua 4, there's an interesting part of the text uh, where it points out that these these stones from the tribes of Israel will serve as a sign or a memorial for you. And it's interesting when you kind of look at some of the commentaries or various study resources, um, this sign is actually uh, an emphasis on what has been established and displayed in terms of God's promise. These, these rocks were to actually serve as an aid for teaching. When the children were to ask, what mean these stones? You know, this was a uh, focal point, a, a thing to uh, serve as a, you know, a reminder of what God had, has done. So when we, when we talk about hearing God's mighty deeds, um, and we and we think of Joshua four, worth you know, worth um, we're envisioning, uh, we're we're thinking about how there are certain things in our lives that can that can ground us in um, those memories of of what God has done, His mighty deeds, because God still does mighty deeds for us even today. What a spectacular object lesson. Yeah. How many of you uh, in worship on a Sunday when there happens to be a children's message and the pastor or the director of Christian education or the vicar or whoever it might be that's leading the children's message pulls out some kind of object lesson? Maybe it's a shepherd's staff. Uh, maybe uh, it's it's some bird seed or some whatever the case may be. Uh, an object lesson draw attention 
to get the kids' attention, but let's be honest, get the adults in the pews' attention and and yeah. really drive home that message that is being given in the children's message. And in all intents and purposes, that's what we have here. It's just a huge memorial, though, because <laughs> they've got all these big rocks that they're bringing across and having the opportunity, and it's one that will be ongoing. So let's step back for a moment. And as you think about this story from Joshua chapter 4 and the children asking their fathers, their parents, what mean these stones— when your children or your grandchildren or nieces or nephews or any young child says, okay, why, why is it that we have a cross in the front of the church? Why is it that the pastor talks from this thing that everybody calls the pulpit? Why, why, why is that? And what is all the colors on the altar as an example? Because we have objects all around us to help aid us and remind us who we are as Christians. But when a child asks a question, what answer do you give them? Well, that's just the color we have during <laughs> Advent. Or, oh, that's just, you know, and we're a Christian church, so we, obviously we got a cross up front. Well, no, there's a significance. There's a reason that we have the cross up front. There's a reason why uh, we light seven candles on either side, why the number is seven and not three or not five mm -hmm. or not ten or whatever. You know, why, is, why are there seven candles? These are things that give each of us an opportunity to tell the next generation of what that helps lead us to. And so think about that for a moment. That's why all of us need to constantly be being reminded of who and what we are in Christ Jesus. As a pastor, one of the things that I like to do um, is that at the beginning of a new church season, you'll notice that the colors on the altar have changed and they're blue. Well, the royal blue of the king. We're entering mm -hmm. Advent, the coming of the king, to help remind them. And so it's important for us to constantly remember, be reminded ourselves, so that we can then pass that on uh, to the next generation. And so with that in mind, what is our focus? What is the focus when we tell the next generation? Well, I really like what you had said uh, previously about this story in Joshua really is like an object lesson. But our focus, obviously, is that we, you know, we remember, we are reminded of God's mighty deeds. And these mighty deeds are all stories that we hear from Scripture, uh, stories like creation, God creating everything in seven days, a uh, story like Egypt, you know, God leading the people across dry land after uh, God had delivered them from Egypt. And you also have stories of kings and prophets. And then, of course, you have the most important uh, story, uh, Jesus Christ coming incarnate to die and rise again uh, on the cross and from the grave for the sins of all mankind. You have these mighty deeds that God has done, and we still have ongoing work of the Holy Spirit the coming kingdom is something we look forward to. These are mighty deeds that that God, um, you know, we we hear about in Scripture that God has done, is doing, or will do. His His work is a past, present, and future thing. And as a as a person, anybody that knows me knows that I just love history. I am a history yeah. nut. I have probably more books on the Civil War history in my personal library at home than at the Bismarck Public Library. I just have a lot. <laughs> I love to read history. And the reason I love to write, read history is not just 
about the past because to learn about the present, you really need to learn about the past. And so uh, guiding what has happened in the past reminds us where we're going and also can also help us avoid some pitfalls along the way. I think it's very important uh, to be able to remember the generations upon generations. Who, where did we come from? Who are we? Mm, and as Christians, yeah. uh, that is also a part of the Christian heritage. I'm going to be very honest with you. Um, you know, my dad was a pastor. My mom played the organ. Those are things that I remember very much from my past. But when I think about Bible stories, it's my grandma Baker that I think about. I mean, my dad, you know, preached Sunday after Sunday. I heard him preach. My mom was always playing in the organ, singing in the choir. But my Grandma Baker, whenever we'd visit Grandma Baker, she would be the Sunday school teacher uh, at her church. And so we would get to go to Sunday school with Grandma Baker. And then when we get home, uh, she had this game that we just loved to play called Bible Baseball. And, you know, if you answer this question, you get a home run. If you answer this question, you get uh, a single. If you get the answer wrong, you get an out. I mean, that kind of thing. But we played this game again and again and again. And why, why am I telling you this? Because that's a part of my heritage and my past when I think about my Christian faith is that it's passed on from generation to generation, that God's promises follow. Now, not everybody has... Uh, the blessing of having a grandma or grandpa like I did growing up who were always in church. Sometimes we need to build our own future and start that uh, change in our family life. I mean, not everybody has a grandma and grandpa Baker, or grandma Marcus like I did who went to church Sunday after Sunday. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we don't start the future and the new, new past today. And so that's the beauty of our Christian faith. Now, the other thing is that maybe the past in your Christian faith isn't your grandparents, might not even be your parents, but it may be some other adult or some other friend that uh, has led you, somebody that uh, as, a, as a young kid brought you to Sunday school with them uh, or brought you to a middle school uh, lock-in event or some other kind of way to, to get you into it. So the past can be very different. It's not just the past that we learn from reading the scriptures, but also the blessing of the past that God has set in our path. So with that in mind, think about this. How can we, as Christians today, tell our children or future children or future grandchildren, the future generation, of what the faith is or what the church is? And remember, this isn't just the pastor's job. So how how can we go about telling that? Yeah, I mean, our focus, you know, is... Uh always on God's promise and grace. And it, um, we're all as followers of Jesus, as, as Christians today, we are all storytellers. And that's really, I think, at the heart of Christian discipleship, Christian witness, uh, Christian stewardship. We're all storytellers of God's word. We're, we point people to God's word where God has revealed himself to us. And what's interesting is, where did you learn the Bible stories? For many of us, they would say it was Sunday school. Uh, some would say it was devotion at home with our parents, maybe uh, devotion with our grandparents, or like I was saying, you know, Bible baseball with my, my grandparents. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to be honest with you. My Bible story knowledge is not because I went to Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. It is not because I was privileged to go to Concordia University in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, it was because I went to Bethany Lutheran grade school. 
mm-hmm. uh, in, in grade school, uh, day after day after day, we learned the Bible stories. So when I quote a lot of Bible stories, I remember back to the various teachers I had at Bethany that helped me learn those Bible stories. All obviously my dad, my parents, and my grandparents all had a part of that, obviously. Uh, but you know, each of us has our own story where we learn the stories from. Obviously, all those stories ultimately go back to scripture, as Vicar was saying, but how do we learn them? And you know, if we didn't get them as kids and now as adults, it's a whole new thing for us. But there's a lot of wonder to be able to get into it. The stories are amazing. And I don't mean stories as make-believe, stories of reality, stories of how God has and continues to work in our lives. And so in your life, what are some of the good memorials? What reminds you what the good memorials? Vicar, what are good memorials for you in your life? Well, at least for me, I, uh, I'm always thinking back on my baptism. Um, that's a memorial for me, uh, something to remind me of my faith roots. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Yeah. Obviously, you were baptized as an infant, correct? Correct, yes. And obviously, you were baptized by your dad. Yes. All right. And now, here's the next thing. What was the date? Oh, goodness. Um, that would have been somewhere in September of 1998. Ah, uh, somewhere in September of 1998. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to give the vicar a, uh, um, a little job to do. He's going to find that out. He's going to share that with us. Now, he's laughing a little bit. I really put him on the spot there. This is one of those things that I really, really, really encourage my confirmation students that they learn when their baptism date is, um, especially if it was an infant. And for full clarity, mine was November 17th, 1957. Uh, And uh, I'm not going to do it right now, but uh, in confirmation class, I always rattle off all the baptism dates of my kids, my wife. Sarah's, I'm not going to tell you the year, but Sarah's was uh, May 27th. Uh, So so I, I think it's important for us to remember. And now, why did I do that? Because, Vicar, what's your birthday? August 27th. Ah, it's yeah. an amazing. He knew that yeah. one right off the top yeah. of his head. See, that's the thing. We we know our physical birthdays. We celebrate those, right? We throw parties. We have cake. There's presents. And it's kind of a memorial to, hey, this is when I, you know, and this is when I came into this world. This is when I had life. But on our baptism day, you know, where when do we do that? Now, uh, we happen to be taping this one on my daughter Katie's baptism birthday. Um, I'm not going to tell you what the date is because we're not, you know, obviously we taped this one earlier. But as we tape this today, uh, today is my daughter, Katie, Catherine's uh, baptismal birthday. And it's important for us to to try and remember because that's part of the memorial is remembering, not just remembering it that it happened, but when did it happen? And so um, I'm going to challenge Vicar. He's going to well, he's going to be able to tell you what his baptism I, date is. I remember it was uh, at uh, Crown of Life in uh, Rigby, Idaho. Okay, it was so in Idaho. I remember well, mine that was, much. Mine was but... at Concordia Lutheran Church in Jamestown, okay. New York. So I mean, I do know where mine was. And yes, my dad baptized me as well. Uh, but it, you know, that's part of the memorial. When, where, and how. Uh, one of the things uh, in confirmation class, as we're getting started with a new set of confirmation class it's like you know where were you baptized when were you baptized where you baptized and and uh one of the moms said so he was baptized in the hospital i said well that's where you put it down he was baptized in the hospital uh you know and obviously when when a child is baptized in the hospital there's 
different things going on. But our baptism is a memorial. But I challenge you, just like I did challenge Vicar here, uh, find out when yours was, where it was. If you don't know exactly, uh, you know you're baptized, but not exactly where or when. I challenge you to find that out. But the memorials for us as Christians go beyond our, our baptisms, obviously. Um, I'm not going to challenge them on this one, but our confirmation is another one. Just for full disclosure, June 6, 1971, that was my confirmation date. Um, so, uh, it, you know, there's these different events along in our lives that that we remember. It's probably the history nut in me that remembers these dates. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure. But uh, it is important for us, you know, when did we get confirmed? Where did we get confirmed? What was it about? Um, but also things Sunday after Sunday as we come before the Lord's table and receive his body and blood, that would be a memorial uh, as, as well, that uh, the very body and blood of Christ. But what is maybe the biggest memorial that we sometimes make most light of? But, Vicar, what would be that biggest memorial? memorial do you think that we often make most light of? Yeah, I mean, you were talking about it a little bit earlier, but the cross, you know, that's that's our symbol as Christians to always point people to the cross, always be reminded of the work that was accomplished for you and you and I on that cross. And yeah, that that is our symbol as Christians. Um, the center, um, it, you know, it was God's best work. So, and that's that is his mightiest deed. And see, now here's one of the things I'd like to point out about that too. It's sad that it is the central focus and memorial for us as Christians, obviously Christ giving his life, but how cliche in the world around us sometimes it, it has been like uh, people wearing a cross around their neck uh, that has no bearing whatsoever Christianity, but they look at me kind of thing. It's almost being looked at as being totally over the top, irrelevant, just a cliche, just a point to. And yet for us as Christians, the cross should be so much more than that. Right. Um, watching television or watching movies, sometimes I just get absolutely disgusted with uh, the uh, trivialization, so to speak, of the cross and the use by those in society around us when it's not really a reference in reality to Christianity. It's more of a look at me kind of thing and, and doing that. And so uh, as Christians, we need to guard that memorial that is found on the cross and the empty tomb, because for us as Christians, it's not just the cross, but the cross and the empty tomb being hand in hand. And so for us, as we reflect back today, we've talked about Christian stewardship. We've started this uh, four-week emphasis on Christian stewardship using the hymn of Let Children Hear the Mighty Deeds. Uh, if you don't have a Lutheran service book, maybe you want to Google it online. We will put the words uh, on our website so you can see them and the emphasis as we go through our sermon series and Bible studies on this. But this first verse really of when children ask their parents. And so I'd take it a step further. When children ask their parents, what mean these stones? What are the stones of your Christian life? What is it that is really built as the memorial of who and what you are in Christ Jesus? Think about that a little bit. Uh, we'll continue to focus in on uh, tell the next generation over the next couple of weeks and challenge you to, if your children or grandchildren ask you a question about something, how are you going to answer? Where are you going to go? Uh, how are you going to be able to do that? And for us as Christians, that's part of living the faith. Living the faith means being able to answer. Now, 
I'm not expecting that all of us are going to have the encyclopedia answer to every question. And a lot of questions we're going to have to say, let me look, check on that. Uh, but there are the, the simple uh, questions of faith that we, all of us as Christians, pastor and laity alike, we really need to have. And hopefully, uh, in a little way, the podcast this past year as we've been diving into living faith has helped give you some of those answers. Uh, but we really encourage you to read through the question and uh, the Bible readings for this week with all in the mind behind, as you're reading them, uh, what mean these stones? What what do these mean in our life? What is the memorial in your life that you're able to tell the next generation about your faith? With that in mind, the Lord's blessings on your study this week. We hope to visit with you again next week as we continue our look at Let Children Hear the Mighty Deeds, Tell the Next Generation. May the Lord bless you and guide you as you dive this week once again into his word. Lord's blessings. Thanks for joining us on our Living the Faith podcast this week. This podcast is a ministry of Zion Lutheran Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. To contact us, learn more, or for more resources on our journey this year, please visit zionbismarck.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or YouTube. This podcast was made possible by a grant from Lutheran Church Extension Fund. We thank them for their support. Please join me in prayer as we begin our new week. Blessed Lord, you have caused all Holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time as we continue learning how God's truth in the scriptures applies to our daily life. God bless your reading this week.